0: Muhammad Ali was never known for being the nicest guy, okay? In fact, oftentimes, he would refer to himself as, I'm the greatest, right? I don't know if this is true or not, but I heard that uh, one time he was flying, and uh, the flight attendant saw that he didn't have his seatbelt on, and so the flight attendant goes and says, excuse me, Mr. Ali, you need to put your seatbelt on. To which he responded, Superman doesn't need his seatbelt. And the flight attendant said, well, Superman doesn't need a plane either, <laughs> Will Rogers said, too many people spend money they've earned to buy things that they don't want to impress people that they don't like. C.S. Lewis said in his book, Mere Christianity, a proud man is always looking down on things and on people. And of course, as long as you're looking down, you cannot see that that is above you. Friends, we have been studying through Paul's letter to the Philippians And we have seen some examples of mature living, living for Jesus and living like Jesus. We have seen what it looks like to live lives worthy of the gospel. And last week we saw how God has mercy on those who fear him, those who are in awe of him. He exalts the humble and he fills the grateful. And so today we're going to look and see how God opposes the proud. And we're going to see some ways that we can avoid and remove pride from our lives. Because as we remove pride and replace it with humility, we will find joy for our journey. All throughout scripture, we see this truth about the character of God that he uh, has nothing to do with and he opposes those who are arrogant and those who are proud. Check out these verses, for example, Proverbs 8, 13. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. God says, I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior and perverse speech. Proverbs 16, 5 says, the Lord detests all of the proud of heart. Be sure of this, they will not go unpunished. And then James chapter 4, verse 6. James says, but he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Are you starting to get the idea? God opposes the proud. What pride comes down to is, are we trusting in God? Are we honoring God Are we in awe of God, or are we trusting, honoring, and in awe of ourselves? Will we be proud, or will we be humble? Can we walk in the blessings of God with humility and praise his name, and yet can we also walk in the difficulty and still praise his name? Are we simply using God for what he can give us or is our life lived to please him? Here at Journey Church, we say this. We say that we wanna live lives that are pleasing to God. And that means that every day we joyfully give God the best of everything that we are and everything that we have, trusting that Jesus is all that we need being transformed by who he is and what he has done for us. For us to live lives that are pleasing to God means that we are trusting in Jesus and not ourselves. Humility is us trusting in God. Pride is is us trusting in ourselves. I was reminded of the words of the hymn, Trust and Obey. If you remember that song, remember these words. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word just to rest upon the promise, just to know, thus saith the Lord. To be proud or to be humble, to trust in yourself or to trust in Jesus, all of this comes down to our hearts. And even after we follow Jesus, we must constantly check these things that get so out of whack. These things that we call our hearts. And we must constantly ask ourselves: are we trusting in Jesus? Or are we trusting in ourselves? My favorite movie, my only favorite movie, okay. Not not every favorite movie, right? My favorite movie of all time is Favorite Private Ryan. And at the end of that movie, uh, Tom Hanks' character, Captain Miller, um, He is dying as he's sacrificing himself for Matt Damon's character, Private Ryan. And he says these two words that stay with Private Ryan for the rest of his life. He says, earn this. He says, earn this. Man, I am so thankful that God has not said to us, earn this. Because we can't. I can't. That's grace. Jesus sacrificed himself for us. And then Jesus says, Trust me. Trust that Jesus is all that we need. And when we do that, that is to humble ourselves. Humility is to say, I can't do this myself. I can't add to it. I can't earn this. I just have to trust that Jesus is all that I need. I just have to take him at his word. I just have to rest upon his promise. And friends, when we are trusting that Jesus is all that we need, he will then Begin to transform us to serve others in the way that He has served us. God's love shown to us through Jesus on the cross will actually frustrate us if we are trying to earn or pay back or accomplish something in order to earn God's grace. God's grace cannot be paid back and cannot be earned. Anything that we offer will never be enough. Anything that we offer will never be adequate to fulfill our debt that has been paid by Jesus. And if our drive to do good, to serve others, to any of those things is simply to earn or pay back or or try to accomplish something to restore what's been given to us freely, then we come back to pride. So if you have your Bibles, let's dig in to Philippians chapter 2. Turn with me there. Uh, If you don't have a Bible, we have some on the back table Philippians chapter two, Philippians is in the New Testament on the right side of your Bibles, comes right after Ephesians, right before Colossians. We'll have it up here on the screen as well, but read along with me from our text. Philippians two, verse one, Paul says, therefore, if there's any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete. By being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. Does words sound familiar? <laughs> we looked at these verses last week too, Right? Look again at verse 3. Paul says, do nothing, nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Friends, we can do good and it not be what is right because of pride. We can do good and it not be what is right because of our arrogance and self-centeredness when we we can serve others even mobilizing to help our community and our world even we can even be called to sacrifice and to suffer but we are not following the example of Jesus when we do it because of selfishness or arrogance or pride or even guilt we can show up early and On Sunday mornings at 8 a.m., we can help set up every single week. We can volunteer in our kids' ministry. We can go to life groups, and all of these things are good things, but when we do them out of selfishness, it is useless. We can do all of these good things, but when we do so out of pride, then they're pointless. We need to step back, and we need to check our hearts because we can look good, we can do good, and others don't know the difference because others can't see our hearts. And it comes back to are we trusting in God or are we trusting in ourselves? Are we honoring God or are we honoring ourselves? Are we in awe of God or are we in awe of ourselves. I want to take us back to Luke 1 again, because we can see from Mary's words, and we saw last week how God exalts the humble, but today I want us to see how God opposes the proud. Mary says these words in Luke chapter 1 verse 51, says, he, talking about God, has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He scatters those who are proud in their innermost thoughts. God scatters the proud in the imagination of their hearts, other translations say. In their innermost thoughts, in their own imagination, God scatters the proud. I want you to think for a minute that you see this couple and they're married, and one of the the spouse comes to the other and says, hey, things aren't working. We need to get help. And the other spouse says, "Ah, nah, we're good, we're fine, everything's all right. Right? Because in their mind, in their imagination, whether it's because of ignorance or apathy or arrogance, they think that everything is fine when in reality, it's not. Or think about people who jump from church to church because they aren't doing it right over there. Or because they aren't doing it the way that I like it to be done. And instead of humbling themselves and serving others in response to the gospel, they blame everyone and everything else. And in their innermost thoughts and in their imaginations, they say, Well, I'm just not being fed there. And so I'm going to go somewhere else. Or or I just didn't feel the spirit there, and so I'm going to go somewhere else. Or what about people who who everyone's out to get them? Everyone is out to get them. Or is it because most of the time they're just self-centered and think that everyone's out to get them because they think that everything's about them? Now, they may be the first person in all of human history that every single person that they meet is out to get them, or because of pride and arrogance in their minds, in their imagination, they think that everyone else is the problem, and I'm just the victim. It's always someone else's fault. Now, friends, if you're sitting here this morning, a good test of this is if you're hearing these words and in your mind right now, you're thinking, I know exactly who needs to hear this. Mm Mm-hmm. It's so-and-so. Not me. it's, It's them, right? Friends, pride might be sinking in. Friends, God scatters those who are proud in their innermost thoughts. Paul tells us in Romans that God gave them over to their shameful lusts. Man, what a scary place to be, to be left all on our own in our own imagination. God not only scatters the proud, but God also brings them down to size. Look at Mary's words in verse 52. She says, he has brought down the rulers from their thrones but he has lifted up the humble friends god brings down the rulers from their thrones the proud are always control freaks they have to be in control because everyone else can't do it as as well as they can do it they have to be in control they have to have others doing, doing things the way that they say to do them and how they say to do them because either they deserve for others to do things the way that they think they should be done or because they know better than everyone else. And either way, God will reveal how little control we actually have. And he will bring us down to size. Proverbs tells us that pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before the fall. Friends, God opposes the proud by scattering them in their own imaginations of their hearts. He brings them down from their thrones and God sends them away hungry. Look at Mary's words in verse 53 of Luke 1. She says, He has filled the hungry with good things, but He has sent away, excuse me, sent the rich away empty. Friends, He has sent away the rich empty handed. Now, sometimes I feel like those who have done well for themselves sometimes go away from church with their heads hanging low because they read verses like this and. They walk out to the cars thinking, man, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. But I think what these verses are telling us is not just somebody who's rich or wealthy or has done well for themselves, but it's those who put their trust in their wealth and in their money. It's those that aren't grateful to God for everything that they are and everything that they have. It's those who don't understand and don't recognize that everything that we are and everything that we have is God's and we are simply his managers, including the very breath that we breathe and the time that we spend and the energy and the talents and the money and the stuff and everything that we are and everything that we have is God's and we are simply his steward's. It's those who are trying to find fulfillment in things that they were never meant to be fulfilled by. Friends, we have been made by God to trust in God alone. And when we put our trust in anything else, whether it's money, whether it's status, whether it's others, whether it's ourselves, we will always find ourselves empty and lacking, wanting more. If you ever read through the book of Ecclesiastes, you'll see Solomon say things like, well, you're rich. Yeah, I had more. <laughs> well, well, you're smarter. Well, you're smart. I'm smarter, right? You're, you're powerful. I'm more so. Solomon says, look, I had houses and I had not just trees, but I had entire forests. I had friends. I had parties. I had women. I had power. I had money. Anything and everything. And what Solomon found is that it, It was vanity. It was chasing after the wind. It was trying to be fulfilled by things that can't fulfill us. I mentioned last week the church at Laodicea in Revelation 3, and they thought that they were in need of nothing, right? But Jesus says you are actually wretched and pitiful and poor and blind and naked. Friends, when we put our trust in anything besides God, whether it's our ourselves, whether it's other people, whether it's our government, whether it's our money, whether it's our titles, whether it's our position, when we put our trust in anything other than God, it's like chasing after the wind. We may think that we are in need of nothing, but really we are wretched and pitiful and poor and in need of everything from God. God opposes the proud by letting them run off in their own imaginations, by not just knocking them down to size a few notches, but bringing them all the way to the ground and by sending them away empty-handed. But Paul, here in Philippians 2 He tells us what the opposite of pride, what humility actually looks like. Look again at verse 4 of Philippians 2. He says, Not looking out for your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. Now, the New Testament was written originally in the Greek language. And we have it translated into English for us. And so in the Greek language, we we don't have the word interest there in the text. Paul is trying to get us through this idea to not look out for our own whatever. (laughs) You fill in the blanks. Money, houses, family, jobs, sports, hobby, whatever. Do not look out for your own, but rather, in humility, look out for others. Humble yourselves and serve, not because of pride, not because of guilt, but because Jesus first served us. That's it. Humility. Humility is looking out for the needs of others above our own because this is what Jesus has done for us. God opposes the proud. So what's the remedy to pride then in our life? Well, it's humility. It's humility. So how do we humble ourselves? Well, we humble ourselves through a healthy fear of the Lord. Humility is having an honest evaluation of our own abilities and our own limitations and seeing them and comparing them to the standard of an all-knowing, an infinite, intelligent, all-powerful, all-wise God and seeing how short we actually come. Proverbs 22, four says this, humility is the fear of the Lord. Its wages are riches and honor and life. Friends, the reward of humility is the fear of the Lord. And the fear of the Lord brings us humility. And then to fear God, the results of that are humility. To have the fear of the Lord, you have to humble yourself. And humility then leads us to have a healthy fear of the Lord. These two things go hand in hand. They bring about the other. Having a healthy fear of the Lord makes us humble. And humility then leads us to have an even clearer understanding that we should fear the Lord. Pride, though, pride deceives us into thinking that we can do life on our own that we are capable, independent, unstoppable, self-reliant. And we think that we don't need anything from God except in emergencies, right? But pride makes us believe that we don't need his help, that we don't need his grace, that we don't need his mercy or his forgiveness or his hope. Pride blinds us from seeing our true condition before God. And so... We break the power of pride through humility. Humility is the opposite, the polar opposite of pride. Just as light dispels darkness, so humility dispels pride. However, we cannot become more humble by focusing on humility. Because then that becomes a source of pride when we think that we've achieved it. C.S. Lewis describes humility this way. He says that humility is not thinking less of ourselves, but it's thinking of ourselves less. We may not realize this, but each and every one of us is either centered on man or we are centered on God. There is no alternative. Either God is the center of our universe and we are becoming rightly adjusted to him or we have made ourselves the center and we are t- attempting to make everything else orbit around us and for us. Humility takes the focus from ourselves as the center of the universe, focus, and it puts the focus on God, making him the center of, Of our lives. It means trusting that God and not ourselves. It means that we understand and know that we are limited, frail, fallen, and have nothing to offer God but our sinful selves. Humility is us realizing that there is no other way that we can do life on our own. We don't have the answers or even control over our life. Humility is understanding that even with all of our diligence, all of our planning, all of our talents, all of our beauty, all of our brains, all of our accomplishments, we cannot guarantee the resources that we will need for our own welfare, nor for our future. Wisdom, though, is being humble enough to admit that. And then, submitting ourselves to God and to wise counsel. We must take the focus off of ourselves and we must look to Jesus. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. And he himself humbled himself to live among his own creation and to die for all of us. Jesus, who is entitled to the the highest honor among all honors and glory, gave it all up for us. He not only left the the splendor of heaven to save us from hell and eternal separation from God, but he also provides us eternal inheritance. And while he was on the earth, he humbled himself as a servant. He endured the disdain and the desertion of the religious crowd. He spent time with and healed the despised of society. He blessed the little children. He wept over his people. He washed his followers' feet. He did everything that the Father God asked him to do, even forgiving those who were crucifying him. So friends, I wonder... Does the example that Jesus has left for us, does that type of humility characterize our own lives? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord begins with us getting to know God. And while pride will promise us the promotion of a lifetime, it will always guarantee are downfall. God opposes the proud, scattering them in the imagination of their own hearts, bringing them down from their thrones, and sending them away hungry. But humility means that God comes first in everything in our lives. And when we learn to live lives that are pleasing to God, lives that are trusting that Jesus is all that we need, it will lead us to serve others as Jesus has served us. And as we do, we will find joy for our journey. We pray with me this morning. Father, thank you. Thank you, for sending your son to serve our greatest need. And in so doing, not only has he provided us an escape from the punishment that we deserve, but Father, he has also given us an example to follow. Father, help us to stop trusting in ourselves, in other people, in our money, in our our status, in our titles. Father, help us to trust in you alone. Help us to trust and obey. For there is no other way to be happy in your son Jesus than to trust in him. Father, forgive us for putting our trust in anything else other than you. Father, help us to be transformed by the humility that you have shown through your son Jesus that we can show to others. Father, help us to be in awe, to fear you so that we can adjust and be adjusted to having you in the center of everything of our lives. Father, we thank you that even though we are arrogant, prideful people, that you still loved us despite it. And you sacrificed your son for us. Father, we thank you for this reminder that you give us as your people to remember that sacrifice that he made through communion. Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus, and we ask all of this in his name.